Welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Ellison with the Digital Education Podcast. And if you've been with me for the last couple months, we did a series where we we're asking kind of educational, organizational leaders um, the question, you know, what's next? What's next in education? And then we kind of shifted from there into a conversation over the last month with school leaders uh, about what they're thinking about as they get ready for the fall. And then really where I want to transition now for the next couple of weeks is with educators, people who love teaching, love the classroom, love um, just the, the teaching and learning side, particularly, and giving some thought to that. And, and what, what we're going to ask is this question about what's one thing based on all the things that we need to do to get ready for the fall and all the things that we learned from, from remote learning. But what's the one thing that we traditionally do that we need to think differently about or just plain stop? And a lot of this was introduced to me or just even inspired by, you know, John Eckert's um, Edutopia blog called The Know and Innovate. And from that blog, I just, there's a quote in it that just kind of gets us started. It says, we cannot do everything well. If we attempt to do all things, uh, be all things to all people, we will fail to do anything well. Therefore, school leaders should thoughtfully abandon those things that fail to serve students well, and even some things that would serve them well. You know, so it's kind of this stuff, what do we need to stop so that we can just get better and do things well? And so today, and I'm just going to throw it over to him, Zach Gauthier, the Dean of Academic Services at Valor Christian School High School in uh, Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Zach, I know that's a long introduction, um, but you're the first one in this conversation, so I wanted to set it up. So what are you thinking about differently or what's something that you just say, hey, we got to stop this so we can get better at other things? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Eric. I think it has, I know for us as a school, it has, we, this has been a big conversation for us and really trying to process through what do we learn from this season. Um, we were in a conversation with our head of school the other day and, you know, as we're planning for all these different contingencies and kind of all of these hypotheticals that we feel like we're uh, trying to address a moving target for fall of 2020. And he said, you know, he made a statement, which I thought was really wise. He was like, if we work through all these hypotheticals and none of it comes about, that could just be total wasted time. And we would hate that, <laughs> you know, just kind of dealing with that level of inefficiency. But even if we're processing through all these hypotheticals, if that is a kind of intellectual challenge that walks us into new space and forces our thinking to kind of open up and really try to process through of what have we been doing that <laughs> that we need to let go of. And so I appreciate, I think the timeliness of your question is well served. The piece and part of this comes from my role, you know, I end up being tasked uh, predominantly with making the master schedule for the school. And so uh, as we've tried to wrestle through this question of social distancing, or normal classes or hybrid, you know, I mean, I just think there's so much swirling right now around this idea of how do we, how do we possibly kind of um, innovate and really try to serve students well in the midst of this season. But I guess the question I would give to the, to your, or the answer I would give to your question is, I think the one thing that we need to stop is we need to begin 
uh, be, we need to stop just thinking of the school day in eight to three terms. I think we begin from this place so frequently that it has just been a, sta a standard assumption in both private and public education for decades now that this is the standard time frame. This is the standard calendar. And I think for me, as I've thought about it, I, I think this issue of having to force essentially the almost the entire country into remote learning has pushed us to a place of we, ha we need to reevaluate that fundamental assumption about our time and about how we serve students. And I think come to grips with, are there other modes of instruction that might you know, come at a trade-off with some of that in-seat time, but would also ultimately maybe be in the best interest and best service of students. And so I think a couple of the hypothetical scenarios that we've been working through that I think um, serves to inform this question is, can we serve students in half of the time or three quarters of the same seat time that we've been serving them? And would this be an avenue forward so that we could ultimately have, uh, have more time to actually be physically in contact with our kids? Because I think if we hold the 100% seat time that we've had in the status quo prior to all of what has uh, happened with the pandemic, the reality is we likely wouldn't get any of that time because we, based on different constraints, we'd maybe be forced back into a remote model. So it's walked us down this path of can we be creative so that we could create cohorts of students or not have everyone on campus at one time, but still be able to preserve that connection that we would get, um, <clears throat> even if it's 70% of the uh, seat time that we had. And so that then, ushered in, well, if we did only have 70% of our seat time that we've previously had, how would we engage kids? And, and that, I think, has been kind of this question of a hybrid model, or how would we engage kids through their extracurriculars? So it's begin to kind of dismantle this standard eight to three and really think about can we, can we, when can kids get certain instruction in an on-demand on basis? When can kids get their discussion-based aspects of class. Um, and so I say all that to say we're, we don't have a set answer yet, but I think it has prompted a line of questioning that's really important for us and, and potentially um, upends a lot of core assumptions that we've had about our time and about engagement with kids. And I think the other piece that I've thought is, I think it's easy from my vantage point to think about how I've changed as an educator or how I think about the systems of education differently. But I think it's also trying to be wise and understanding that in going through all of this remote learning, like our learners are now different as well. And being different students of them having to be forced into this period of engaging remote learning that will they be as comfortable with the same kind of standard, uh, same status quo type instruction that they've had previously? Will that increase engagement? Will it decrease engagement? Um, so I think it's just, it's prompted a lot of questioning for us, but I think being willing to think about the academic calendar differently and think about the timetable of a set day differently than we have before. Uh, and like I said, we haven't landed on anything yet, but I think it is, uh, we're trying to not miss this opportunity to pause and to reflect uh, and and be willing to I think engage in a conversation about um, how does this how does this change us in the midst of uh, all that we've gone through 
Well, it's interesting when you talk about, you know, and, and I know this is not, we don't have the time and length to go into the history of how we got the calendar that we got, the seat time requirements that we got from the government, you know, all of these mandatory sorts of rules and regulations that come with, you know, education. And, and it is, it's, it's seat time, right, is that great question that I think all of us as educators, like, why do we do this and how do we do this? And I've been doing this for 20 some years and we really ask that question of like, you know, like, why did we get to this place or how did we get to this place and why can we, why can't we do it different? There, there's that place you say, hey, you mentioned, you know, it's like, hey, could we do the same amount of learning or could a student do the same amount of learning in the 70 percent range? Um, have you given much thought to, you know, the, even the kids that, you know, might need 150 percent of the traditional seat time to do the same learning? Well, yeah, and I think that's part of if we if we think about the structure of the day differently, does you know I think that's one possible outcome is that gets us to a place where the student that you know I've, I've worked with high schoolers my whole career, and so thinking about a high school learner, there's more capacity I think with a lot of high school students to be independent and to be self motivated in their learning. And so that kid that's, you know, high on that continuum, how can you actually open up their school day so that they're not kind of in the same amount of seat time, but you're absolutely right. That other student who maybe because of certain learning deficits or uh, maybe processing speed or just prior educational experience in a subject area or in multiple subject areas, they need more time if we can become more flexible and nimble on how we, you know, adjudicate seat time, we then could redistribute some of those teaching resources to the kids that do need more time with it. And um, so I think that is an outcome. And I think that is one potential benefit that could come from thinking differently about that. And I think in for that kid, it's also the kid that's maybe behind or needs some additional time. It's trying to find that that sweet spot of how much of this is we just need to give them time to ruminate on a particular subject and work through to a level of mastery that maybe they didn't get to before. And can some of that be by utilizing better online resources, better on demand resources? Like it's just, I think we're really trying to hold it with an open hand of what are these different, um, what are the different assumptions that we've built so many of our systems on and if we thought differently about it, does that, does that cue up a totally different course that may be in the best interest of kids? Because if that's the case, but that's, a, that's an incredibly worthy exercise, right? I mean, and I think uh, it's so easy in the kind of churn of the school year of kind of ending one and prepping for the next that we don't take those moments to reflect and we don't take those moments to really, really kind of digest. How could we do this differently? And if we did, it, does that serve kids well? Because if, yeah, because if the answer to that question is, yeah, we need to throw off a lot of these things, <clears throat> that ends up being, that ends up being something that we have to do. We just have a responsibility to, to the kids and to our community to, to work through that. Zach, I appreciate your time, appreciate your thoughts. And, and I know, I mean, that the seat time has been a huge thing on my mind for probably the last 10 years. And, and it is like, we've been given now a long-term picture of of how it might look different um and so i appreciate your thoughts absolutely thanks eric